Hey, coming up on the next episode of Unpolished MBA. And as I read some of the questions, that's really what I'm getting is that many of you all want to be a consultant. And I don't know if that's true or not, but a lot of you all are definitely, you know, it's a possibility because, you know, you're smart. Most of the people who listen to this podcast are really smart, intelligent people, and you're capable of doing anything you want to do. Hi, everyone. I'm going to take a moment to answer some of the questions that have been sent in to me. And as you all should know at this point is that anyone can send in a question and I'll answer it on one of the episodes. All you have to do is go to unpolishedmba.com forward slash text. And then from there, you could just follow the steps and you're able to text questions to me at any time. And then I'll just answer them on an episode, just like I'm doing right now. All right. So I just got to say this, though. Apparently, from what I'm seeing of the questions coming in, apparently, a lot of you all are interested in becoming a consultant. Am I right about that or not? Because from the questions that I'm getting, that's what it looks like. You know, I get questions about like my business model, my journey, You know, how did I start out and things like that. And you can pretty much find out all those kind of things about me online. Between really my own content and all the other things that I've done, even with other people, their podcast. And, you know, I even have a personal professional website that you can view at moniquemills.biz. You can also go to the dot com. I own both. It'll just direct you to the dot biz website. So it gives quite a bit of information about my background. And of course, you can always look me up on LinkedIn and my profile pretty much has everything on it. And I've done my best to be conversational in my profile. So you get a a little bit of insight. But I mean, as I read some of the questions, that's really what I'm getting is that many of you all want to be a consultant. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but a lot of you all are definitely, you know, it's a possibility because you know, you're smart. Most of the people who listen to this podcast are really smart, intelligent people, and you're capable of doing anything you want to do. So I do know that some of you all are CEOs and entrepreneurs already. And then some are aspiring ones or maybe ones that had a company and are like working for someone now, but do plan to reenter the entrepreneurial, you know, path. And, you know, I know jobs and all of that is... Some of these workplaces are so toxic. And then with COVID and work from home and all of the different things going on now. Yeah, some of you all probably have just had enough and are seriously considering being a consultant, which is fine. I've actually said a long time ago, and I stand by this statement. I actually made the statement publicly on a podcast here in Atlanta called Business Radio X. And what I said is, I believe that all of us will eventually just be working for each other as consultants. And when I say each other, I mean, even you, if you're working for an employer right now, that relationship will change. It will be more of a consulting relationship for a lot of the roles that exist right now instead of being an employee. And so I know that many people just want to have more control over their lives and their time and things of that nature. And so 
we already actually do this right now in in my world of entrepreneurship. We hire each other to do things. And, you know, some of my staff members actually have a business doing what they do for me. So they're a business. They do it for one of my companies and I pay them basically their client. Right. And so I, I see that being more of the trend. And you know what? We can come back and revisit it in a few years, but that's the path that we're already on. All right. So I think a lot of people think consulting is easier than what it really is. A lot that goes into it. You need to still know how to market, how to sell. It's not just knowing how to do your job or knowing your particular expertise very well. It's much, much more to being a CEO of a company than that. And it's not, you know, it's not something that's impossible, but it's definitely going to be a learning curve for those who have never done anything quite like it before. All right. So I'm going to answer this question from Andre. All right, here it is. What were important lessons for you to learn at the beginning of starting your business? Okay, so in this business, TPM Focus, I want you guys to remember I have other companies, other businesses. So TPM Focus is my consulting firm. So with this business, I'm going to use this as as the the basis to answer this question. So I work with startups and small and medium-sized enterprises. They all are trying to enter the market, do something new, or enter like a new market, right, for the established companies. And they are on a journey that they, (laughs) they, it's like uncharted territory for them. I do work with several international companies that are expanding into the U.S. And that is a very similar process that we have to go through that I do with startups. You know, everything from customer discovery, figuring out all types of things so that they can be successful here because being successful in another country does not mean you'll be successful here. So with this business, I would say one of the biggest lessons I learned early on is start charging for your time and people will stop wasting it. So I say that because if you guys have ever heard my story on this before is I became a consultant pretty much on accident. This was not <laughs> this was not planned. I was building my own tech startup and I would get folks sent to me to you know to ask me questions on their strategy and different things cuz they were building a company or you know thinking about doing something or in a process of a challenge at the time. And when I first started doing consulting, I was actually doing my MBA and folks would just, you know, come to the the coffee shop I was in every week and like start asking questions and different things. They knew they could find me there. And I really I just started charging. It was just it was just that simple. And eventually, you know, years later, it grew into what you see now, but it wasn't intentional. And I would say that in order for people to not waste my time, I had to start charging for it and also to be respectful of the knowledge and experience that I'm bringing to anyone's challenge to help them make money. Like, why wouldn't I? (laughs) Why wouldn't I? My focus is revenue generation. So why should everyone in this relationship make money except for me? And I think a lot of people forget that. And because you're a nice person or because they know you, they think they could just 
bounce things off of you, give you a call anytime. And I know that's a very similar situation that folks who are, you know, attorneys or doctors, same kind of thing that they run into. But in order to make this situation right, the way I had to do it was, is a few things. I had to set up systems in the business. So remember, this business was like just kind of accidental. I didn't have structure in place. I was just helping folks out. But in order to really place boundaries in place, I had to set up systems. And that means, you know, people, processes, and tools, right? And so, you know, the tools, scheduling tool you get. If you DM me, you'll probably get my assistant who will respond back to you. Like all of these things are part of my process. It also creates boundaries and sets up a workflow for how to get to me or to receive whatever kind of service you're looking for. And in order to do that as well, make sure people don't waste my time, it also requires that I market properly, right? And so what I mean by that is the information on how to work with me, you know, you know where my prices start or do I charge by the hour? Is it flat fee? Like knowing some of those kind of things is very, very important because it also stops people from wasting my time. They know what they have to do in order to be one of my clients because it's online. It's in our marketing. It's in different things and conversations like this podcast episode to let people know. And so when people, I would say when people waste your time, sometimes it's not nefarious, right? They're not really trying to get at you in that way. But a lot of times it's because you don't have the proper boundaries and systems and things in place. And it just makes it easy for them to get to you and waste your time, their time, everybody's time. <laughs> and I don't think people are really aware of, you know, how much damage that does, especially to a relationship where know the person and they're relying upon this person where they would pay someone else that they saw as the professional, right? And so I would say that those things really help me putting systems and processes in place, which includes tools and people and that help set boundaries and then being a great marketer in order to inform people and educate people on the best way, you know, that we can work together or the process for us to work together. So I would say that is the answer to that question. And I know it was really thorough, but I get things about my specific business so often. And so I just want to make sure I answer it thoroughly. And there you have it. So we're going to take a quick break, thank a sponsor, and then I'll hop right back and answer another question. So let's take a moment to thank our biggest sponsor of this podcast, TPM Focus, a strategy and execution consulting firm focused on generating revenue and finding product market fit for startups and small to medium-sized companies that are launching a new innovation or entering a new market. In a nutshell, if you're launching a new innovation or into a new market, we'll align your technology, marketing, sales, and customer success with your financial goals to ensure your company makes money while finding and solidifying your place in the market. Head over to TPM Focus dot com to see testimonials and reach out if you'd like to work with us. So we're back and I'm going to mention this one question that actually comes in quite often in my work. And the question is, will you invest in my startup or can you help us raise money? 
Now, this comes in quite often, as I mentioned, um, and I usually respond with, what do you know about the fundraising process, right? And most of the time, people will say nothing, right? And so um, a lot of people believe that all, you know, all they need to do is ask and people will give them money for their business. And it just does not work that way. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like there's so much information online to really help you or anyone understand the fundraising process. But I really want everyone to know is that it's against the federal. It's actually a federal violation. It's against the SEC rules, the Securities Exchange Commission. Um, and you could be fined by reaching out to people and asking them for money to fund your business, especially if you don't know if they are accredited investors or not. So you all who are doing that, you have to stop doing that because it's very, it's very dangerous to do it. Um, But secondly, it is one of those things where it's like, it's a headache that you don't need. You know, you don't want anyone reporting you for soliciting them to invest um, in your business. Actually, that's just not the way fundraising goes anyway. So um, a lot of times folks will ask to have a quick meeting with me so I can explain to them about fundraising. And it's just like, no, I have an issue with that. I even did a LinkedIn post about this recently. And I say, here's my issue with it. There are plenty of things that people have not done before, right? And I get it. Everyone hasn't done everything related to business. And I mean, I don't know everything about business. I don't know, think anybody on the planet does. However, there are plenty of things that we don't know a lot about, but we take time to learn about it and and do our research about it in advance of doing it. Um, And so fundraising should be no different. Actually, it's even more important, especially now those of you who didn't know before understand that soliciting people to invest in your business can cause you to have a major issue with the federal government. So in an effort to help people understand where they should start to even understand how fundraising for a startup works, especially in venture capital or, you know, even the same thing with angels is still a different process. But um, I want most of the companies that reach out to me, I want them to understand that raising from venture uh, capitalists, which is usually the next step after you raise from angels for your seed round, it's a whole new territory. I mean, it is something that most people in the world will never experience. And so it's something that's so important that I would suspect that you would want to know everything about because your the future of your business actually depends on who you let in as far as a venture capitalist. Um, so I usually suggest that people read this book called Venture Deals. And it'll give a very healthy understanding of everything from like expectations and fundraising and cap tables and all of that. Now, Techstars, which is a um, startup accelerator, um, they actually have a course that they do, I think about twice a year, um, where they go through basically the Venture Deals book with one of the authors. Well, actually, both of them are on video, but one of the authors is Brad Feld. And Brad is a very well-known venture capitalist and the co-author is Jason Mendelson. And so this book is eye-opening to those who actually read it. 
And for anyone who, you know, and this happens a lot to anyone who says, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to read, you know, that 300 page book. Can't you just tell me? I know right then that they don't want to do the work. I know right then that that person is looking for a shortcut. And for sure, I would not invest in that person as an angel investor. I would not want anyone that's not willing to take a weekend off to understand how the process of raising millions and millions of dollars can affect the business and the future of everything that they're doing. I don't want to invest in that person. And so it tells me everything I need to know when someone is like, hey, you know, we're, you know, can we meet at Starbucks and just kind of have a talk? And then we go into this conversation about fundraising and they expect to be told everything over a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Like that, sh- that says a lot about the individual. And I don't believe a lot of folks that are starting in the startup world understand that those of us who are more seasoned have been out here for a while, how we all view it. I just want you guys to know it's not a Monique thing. It's an industry thing. This is very serious. There's nothing that is flippant about it. Uh, Besides, sometimes what's flippant about it is um, how venture capitalists will fund people that they already know and like and all of that, regardless of the business model or, you know, or if that person is the best person to be leading a business. So the the thing about venture capital and yes, they all want to make money for sure. But let's be if if I'm we're all going to be honest here. Venture capitalists, they have really strict, you know, um, requirements on strangers um, when it comes to who's who's in the in the best space to receive their investment. But when it's someone that they already know or like a, fa- a friend, a family member, a family member of a friend like those folks will get will get investment. And, and a lot of time, whether it works out or not, um, you know, that has yet to be seen. But I see it happen every day. And I actually had one of the venture capitalists in my network uh, retweet a tweet I had put out about this saying that they will fund their friends and you know folks that they know because relationships matter more than anything so when you are emailing someone cold like myself or dming me on linkedin and saying hey will you invest in my company this is what we do blah 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 uh that doesn't work first of all i'm not a venture capitalist and i don't want to be and that's another conversation for another day but, you know, it, it shows that, OK, this person doesn't know anything about the fundraising process because you do not solicit people that you don't know for sure are accredited investors. Um, but secondly, you don't solicit people in DMs. You don't cold solicit people like that. Um, fundraising fundamentally starts with, you know, some type of relationship for most of the, the folks that are, are funded. And so if I don't know you from Adam, no one in my network knows you or heard of you. And this is just like out of the blue. It's going to take me time to to understand who you are and, you know, who the team is and and things like that. But I would want you to know, even as an angel investor, I want you to know the fundamentals of raising venture capital, because you got to keep in mind with most angel investors, they may give you money in the beginning, but the goal is for you to raise more money typically from venture capitalists. So then our, our equity converts to, to, you know, to real, (laughs) to real returns. Um, if you, if you never raise venture capital, then it doesn't give us a way to, to exit, um, 
our investment. And if you don't understand what I just meant by that, um, that's another reason you need to read the book, Venture Deal. And it's, it's fantastic. It tells you the ins and outs, but Brad is pretty awesome in, um, in the way he describes things and in really layperson's terms. But the, the full title of the book is Venture Deals, Be Smarter Than Your Lawyer and Venture Capitalist. Now that's pretty powerful, right? Um, and it, it really does help you be at least on par with the terminology used and, and what to expect throughout the process and how different players within the fundraising process, how they have certain best interests in mind for them. And some and it doesn't have to be in conflict with what's in your best interest, but really understanding what's on the line for them and not just you and vice versa. And so you'll have an understanding about why you know, they're asking for certain things and, and then also things that you need to be asking for and making sure is in your term sheet. This is definitely very, very, very serious because I've seen so many startup founders accept venture capital, um, really not understand their term sheet. And when things got kind of rough, they were, I mean, they really, they didn't really get anything out of the deal. They were better off actually working for those five years um, than what they actually got out of the exit of the company. Um, Because when venture capitalists and not all, not all, but, you know, when they're not happy with your performance as CEO, um, they can replace you. Um, They can like force a sale. Right. They refuse to fund you more um, and they could basically force you to sell it. And um you know, so they'll cut their losses. And the first people that will get paid when that happens is them. Uh, everyone who's on your cap table and whatever's left, <laughs> if anything, you know, can go to you. But, you know, a lot of times that's, you know, it could be 20,000, 30,000. And you've put five years into this company. Right. And so, you know, there are opportunity costs to building a, a business and building a company from scratch. And it's so important to, to really understand the process. You can't just leave it to chance and just leave it up to other people to tell you what is best for your business. And when you're raising venture capital, this is something that you have to know. This is something that you have to be as confident as possible about it and not wholly and solely depend on other people to tell you every single detail because no one is going to tell you every single detail, okay? So that's my answer to that. There's that on that. All right, you guys, I'm done answering questions for this episode. If you guys want to send in other questions, you could just text by going to unpolishedmba.com forward slash text. And if you're already on the text list, you you have the number. It's 470-408-8008. So with that, I'm signing off and you guys have a great rest of the week. Take care.